everybody. It's a great time of year. We almost even got some snow a couple days ago. That'd be fun, a white Christmas in Valencia. Special welcome to Ian and Tabby McNaught. Where are they? There they are. Oh, yeah. Great to have you back home. I asked him, I said, how many months will you be staying? He said 30th. Said, oh, good, two and a half years. You know, holidays are a great time to be together as family, uh, to love one another, to encourage one another, to be wise. The Bible talks about wise men. How many wise men were there in the Bible? We don't know. That was a trick, yeah. Everybody says three because the song says three. The Bible doesn't say how many there were. They just gave three gifts, gold, frankincense, uh, and, and myrrh. And so, they, you know, it's like, oh, one per gift. And I think they each brought a lot. So anyway, we're going to look at the wise men if you go over to Matthew chapter 2. Holidays are a busy time. And I appreciate you taking the time to come and worship God. You know, it is what the Christmas season is all about. It's what makes Christmas Christmas. And yet in the busyness of life and all the plans and logistics, we can forget why we're here in the first place. And I think the Magi, the wise men, are a good model for us to imitate. In Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read verse 1 to 12. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet was written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler. You will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them, The exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You know, I love the Magi. And they had no problem telling the leader, the governor, King Herod, they said, hey, we're here because we want to worship the one who has been born King of the Jews. They weren't ashamed. They weren't afraid. 
that was the purpose of why they were making their journey. And journeying from the east was not a flight on southwest. It took many weeks to make this journey. You know, worship is something initiated by the worshiper. Sometimes, you know, we actually think that if we just show up to church, that's worshiping. Now, I know many times as a kid growing up, I went to church because my parents made me. And I would sit there with no mental energy at all involved only thinking about what kind of food I was going to eat after lunch. I know that surprises you that I think about food. Now that I'm the preacher, I just preach about it, and that way I get to include food, and I'm not daydreaming. It's part of what I'm trying to say. But true worship is initiated by the worshiper. God is the audience. When we come to church... We're not here to kind of assess each other's attire. Ooh, nice outfit. Oh, I think, you know, that dress looks nicer than this, or I like that. No, it's, church is not about a fashion show. It's nice to look good and look your best for God. But we're here to honor Him. He is the audience. And so we leave, we're encouraged But the active energy in the process is what goes out from our hearts, from our minds, and from our voices. You know, songs, and I love the music our our band, our choir have done an incredible job uh, preparing all the music. A lot of practice. And I, I love that. But we can still go into a brain veg mode. During great singing and not worship God in the process. Um, it, is, it is active that you and I do. And so we have to decide ahead of time when we come that we're going to worship. That means we open up our heart to God. We're, we're saying, God, I want to honor you. What message do you have for me? I want to sing. I want to fill up my heart. You're the reason I'm here. And that is the mind and action and heart that we have that produces worship. You know, true worship, you have to put your life on pause. In our busy life, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to multitask. And if you're like texting your friend right now, that's not worshiping. Now, maybe you have your Bible on your iPhone, so that can still be worship, as long as you don't let your emails or texts distract you. But true worship, you stop what you're doing, and you give God your full attention. It takes effort. It takes time. It's never convenient to put our life on hold, because if you're like me, it's busy. The holiday time is busy. In some ways, it's busier than all other times of the year. But you have to decide to put your life on hold to give God your full attention. You know, men, you'll learn fast when you get married. 
that it does not count as a good conversation if your eyes are watching ESPN at the same time that you're talking with your wife. And I've tried all kinds of logic with my wife. Because she'll say, well, I want you to look at me. And I'll go, sound travels faster in if I'm at 90 degrees. And she'll say, yes, but I want to see your eyes. So then I'll look at her like that. You know, and there's, there's fight in all of us. Well, I don't want to give my full attention because I'm busy. I've got these other important things. And yet true worship only occurs in the uninterrupted mind and heart. Have you come this morning to worship the way the Magi came to worship Jesus? You know, a little later on in there, it says they, the star stopped and they were overjoyed. When we connect with God in that way, when we give him all of our heart and all of our mind, it produces a joy and a peace that goes beyond all of life's circumstances. And if you've ever thought, oh gosh, my life, I just want to be happy. That is a goal that is destined to fail every single day because happiness depends on the happenings of life. And so if all you want to do is be happy, you will be completely controlled by whether or not good things or bad things happen. Now, I don't like bad things happening, but the Bible says we need to strive for something far better than happiness. It's joy. You see, joy goes beyond circumstance. And so even in the midst of trials, there can be that peaceful connection with God Almighty in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of troubles. But worship is the connecting point. Worship is where we get our daily bread. You know, there's a reason Jesus used that term because just like the israelites the manna would come up in the morning and if you didn't get it by the sun growing hot it melted away and it only lasted one day except for what you got the day before the sabbath then it lasted two days this is because daily bread only lasts one day you can't extra connect with god today and that should last me for three days no it's got to be a daily decision to worship do you have a pattern of daily worship you know jesus has already been born so we're not going to go to bethlehem to visit him you know the amazing thing for you and i is we have access to him all day every day and it's convicting to look at the heart of the magi taking a journey of weeks to go and worship a baby. Say so we need to have the same level of devotion. And that connection will produce something far beyond happiness. It will bring about joy. A joy that goes beyond circumstance. You know, I love the fact that their whole journey was initiated by the word of God. They were listening to what the prophets said. 
And so they knew where to go. The Bible is the Word of God. It, it guides and it directs. The world wants to tell you that it's just a really good book of moral standards and every religion has its own book. No, the Bible is unique. It's living and it's active. And yes, all world religions have a component of morality, but Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You cannot say everything is on equal footing because Jesus says, I am exclusive. I am different. I rose from the dead. That is my proof. And so what God presents in his word is much more than just a book of, hey, here's some great ideas of how to live a good life. It is the one and only avenue to eternal life. And it was the word of God that directed the Magi where to go. And I can think of many times in my life growing up where just, you know, frustration and emptiness would give way to desperation prayers of God, show me what you want. And you know, never reading the Bible with any level of intent to follow what it says. You know, they had soft hearts and they had moldable lives. So much so that while they're there worshiping, they're instructed. You need to change your plan because Herod is a bad guy. And you need to go a different way. And they're like, okay, I will change my plans on the spot. Are you rigid in your schedule planning? I'm one of those guys. I'm flexible in certain things, but like, like getting to the airport on time which on time is three hours early. I get so stressed if I feel like we're not going to make it three hours early. I don't want to be stressed by brake lights on the 405. I don't want to be nervous about the security lines. If we're checking luggage, it may take a long time. And so I just want to get there early. And changing plans I don't like. Adding extra things in at the last minute, I don't like. So no, we need to stick with the plan. You know, in our life, I think all of us have a certain amount of flexibility in certain areas, but then we have those other areas of life where our family, our friends know that's hands off. You know what God does? He will pick a fight with you. Because you go, oh, it's a secret. I don't tell anyone I'm inflexible in that area. Yeah, you told God. And guess what area he is going to test? The one that you say is hands off. Because he wants your heart. And so God will come to you and he'll say, I got a life change for you right now course correction different plan and then you have a choice 
Now, if your heart is soft, you can say, all right, I will go the way you want me to go. And that was a good choice for the Magi because otherwise they would have gotten killed. You know, what seems like an incredible inconvenience. Or maybe they had a really streamlined plan and it was going to get them home quicker. And the route that God had was going to take a lot longer. And so you're like, God, this doesn't make any sense. This is going to take longer. This is going to take more effort. This is going to take more money. And I don't have time. I'm already feeling burdened. And now you want more from me. And I don't have any of that. What are you doing? And God's like, listen, the path you're on is going to kill you. I'm trying to save your life. You know, God loves you more than anybody. Like, God is not up there going, watch this. I'm just going to make life miserable, just for fun to see what they're going to do. God always has a loving motive behind what he does. And yet, in the moment, it can feel like such an obstacle. Like, why now? Give me notice. How about, like, January 5th? You know, let me ease on into it. Let me get my mind and my heart set. For the big moment, I make a commitment. Why not then? Guys, like, no, I think now is a really good time. Magic, okay. And it saved their life. You know, how is God trying to direct you in your life? Maybe you got some friends that have been trying to have talks with you and you've given them the Heisman. Oh, you wouldn't say it that way. You just say, I'm really busy. Oh, yeah, I want to. I'm just busy now. But you haven't had any intention of changing. God's like, I'm trying to save your life. I love you. This is going to kill you. This will save you. Now's your chance. You know, who did he give the message to? Worshippers. People that made the effort to worship. That when you make the effort to worship God, when you read the Bible with the intent to see what God has for your life, when you pray, not just saying, uh, you know, words. You know, now I lay me down to sleep. Everybody know that prayer? I said that for 20 years and had no idea what I was saying until later as a Christian I started thinking about that prayer. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Oh, man, I'm praying if I die that you make sure I go to heaven. I didn't know that's what I was saying. It was a race. Twin brother. He was a bad example, older brother, you know. We're trying to pray. Who can say it the fastest? <laughs> Amen. I won. What are your prayers like? Oh, yeah, I prayed. What did you say? God, bless me. Okay. Like, well, I sent my son to die for you. You've got my word in your hand. 
Holy Spirit's available. You got friends who are spiritual. That's pretty good blessings. Okay, I answered that prayer. Now what? And he doesn't hear anything more. God, bless me. Now, sometimes our prayer is, God, help me. And he's like, I'm trying. You know, we're talking this morning about famous lines, you know, sound crew was setting up and it's always something. We were looking for a piece of equipment. It's like, oh, it's always something. I go, yeah, my mom used to say that. And then she would come up with this one. Well, it has to be somewhere. It's true. You know, I think sometimes God says, if I told you once, I told you a thousand times. And we're still praying, God, help me. He's like, I keep trying. I've answered that prayer every time. But I'm telling you to change and go this route, and you keep telling me no. What, what do you want me to do? You see, God has given us free will. And so the one promise he's made in that realm is that he won't make you do something against your will. So even though the course we choose will kill us, and God is trying to direct, God says, I will not make you go down that path against your will. You have to choose it. You know, let's, let's be like the Magi. God will communicate to you. He will put on your heart what his will is through his word and when we pray. But our heart has to be fully connected. A hundred percent focus. And in our society today, it's hard to do. We're a society built on distraction and multitasking. Can you be silent for a minute? And do nothing without feeling uncomfortable? How about an hour? We get fidgety. I should be doing something. This is really inefficient living. (laughs) Think of all I could have accomplished in that hour. And I've just sat here meditating, thinking about God. Listen, David meditated a lot. We want to be the worshipers that are connected wholeheartedly. You know, the Magi ignored the king to obey God. Some of our biggest roadblocks are people that are authoritative in our life. could be family, could be a boss, could be a coach, teacher, professor. You know, making a decision that somebody that has a certain pull in our life might disagree with. And so it's hard to do what God wants and hang on to their approval. You know, the Magi had a very clear choice. Do I obey the king or do I obey God? Say, when push comes to shove, what is the deciding factor of your decision making? You know, the Bible will lay something out, but sometimes we go, yeah. I see that, but I just feel, and then we just add something. So what are we saying by that? That our emotional feelings trump the word of God? No, we wouldn't say that, but that's, that's how we live. 
You know, the Magi were willing to ignore the king, to follow the guidance of God, to get home safely. But God is trying to speak to you. God is trying to speak to each one of us because he's got an amazing journey. So what do we do? Well, we need to press the gas. We need to take the initiative. But let God steer the wheel. We can trust a loving God. And the more we get connected to him through our personal worship, come to church, fellowship, the more easy it is to trust. Let's connect. You know, I love the Magi. They come and it says they presented their treasures. Say, what what were they trying to accomplish? Honor. You know, it'd be kind of weak if they said, hey, uh, you know, we journeyed from afar and we know you're born king and so... I bought you a Chia Pet at the 99-cent store. Hope you like it. Go wild. You know, it wouldn't be fitting. You'd be like, they made that journey and then they gave him a Chia Pet. It just doesn't make sense that you go to see the king and not give him your best. You know, treasures can be money. But sometimes money, giving that, can actually be easy. If you got it in your budget. And the harder part is to give your time. Your energy. Your talents. It says, worshipers give God, their treasures. That's different for each one of us. God has given each one of us a unique set of abilities, gifts, and resources. Say, does God feel like he's getting your treasure? Or is he he just giving something? You know, when you give your treasure, you pre-plan it. If you're packing your luggage for the journey to worship the king, you're thinking, what do I want to give? How am I going to honor him? What communicates the message clearly? And then they brought those treasures. You know, haphazard giving never gives the best. It gives something. So you can say, well, I gave him something. You know, imagine if they made their journey and they got there and they go, oh, we didn't really bring any gifts. Well, what do we have? Well, we got some camel food. Okay, let's give Jesus some camel food. I mean, because that's what we have. So that way, I mean, we gave him something. I mean, he should be grateful. We gave him camel food. Like, okay. Was that the best you could do? Or was it haphazard? You know, I think in, in our life, being a worshiper... How can we communicate to God how much we love him? You know, the gift-giving time of Christmas. It's like, you know, when you give to your parents, 
that's always an interesting thing because for parents, most of the time, you know, you're giving them stuff that they could already go and buy. You know, for kids, it's like you're giving them stuff they wouldn't be able to buy. They're fired up about it. But when you give your parents, are you giving to them because, wow, they really wouldn't have been able to get that sweater. But I came through for them. And now they got this sweater. Now you're giving them stuff they could just go and buy. Well, then why buy it in the first place? Since they can afford it, what's the point? Maybe we should use that for something else. No, because it's about honor. It's about gratitude. We give God our best. I mean, God is not going, hey, it's getting a little late in the month of December. I'm running a little short. Hope they got good hearts. You know, I don't know what to do to kind of build the church worldwide. I hope they give me that talent. Oh, good, now they gave me. I'm going to be able to survive for an eternity. Like, God is not limited. We don't give him anything because he needs it. He supplies all life and breath and everything else. And that's the way worship is. They didn't give Jesus gold and myrrh and incense because he needed it. They gave it to him because he was the king. And that's what was fitting. I pray for each one of us that as we think about the wise men, the magi, that that we look at their heart and the way they initiated the worship and they made a journey of weeks just to come and give gifts to Jesus. That through the holidays, we will remember the season and we will connect. We will come to him with an open heart. We will let God be in his rightful place, that he is the audience of our worship. And that we're going to give him our best. And the more we connect, the more joy that will well up in our life. Let's not look for happiness. Happiness always fails. But joy produced of true worship can last forever. Let's have a heart to obey God. That when we come to worship, we're listening to the voice. We're opening up the word. We're looking for the guidance. God, where do you want me to go? Because God loves you. And he wants you to get home to him safely. And he will beg and he will communicate, but he will never make you go where you do not want to go against your will. It's got to be a choice. Oh, we may have to ignore some influential people to go and stay on that path. We may experience disappointment from people that we want to be supported by. But at the end of the day, God's voice is clear. Finally, give God your best, not your leftovers. Think about it. What has he put in your life? What resources do you have? What can you do or say? This is God. This is how much I love you. And have that heart as we live our life. They were wise men. Were there three? We won't know until heaven. 
but we can be added to their number if we make those decisions today. We're going to take the bread and the fruit of the vine at this time. And I really pray that that each one of us, as we eat the bread, as we drink the cup, that we'll be mindful of the heart of the Magi and that we will commit to worship in the same way. As we take those emblems, as we think about the sacrifice that Jesus made that provided what we now experience, let's connect. Let's clear our minds out. Let's open up our hearts to connect in a special way at this time. Let's bow together as we pray. Father, thank you so much for this time to worship you. And help us to get rid of everything that's distracting us and help us to connect emotionally. Father, we know that that you have done amazing things and that you are guiding and directing our lives. And help us never to take the opportunity we have to connect with you for granted. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you for the blood of the new covenant that washes away our sins. And I pray that each and every day we can have a heart to come to worship and let that joy be produced from the inside out, that we will give you our best and obey you wholeheartedly. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.